Listen. Hello? We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You play to win the game. Next fan up. I want winners. Featuring Pod Vader and the super fans. They are who we thought they were. I'm Justin, your Seahawks superfan. I'm going to be hosting along with my buddy Nick, the Chiefs superfan. What a week of football. I think on paper we thought this one maybe wouldn't be so exciting, but it turned out to be awesome. There were some really good games, a couple of surprises, a couple of surprises that shouldn't have been surprising, like the Ravens beating the Steelers. They've now won, I believe, six of their last seven against the Steelers. And shout out to BetDSI.com. Despite the fact that Common Wisdom had the Steelers being clearly the better team, they had this one as a pick'em. They're our sponsor. Use the promo code FANUP10 to get a free 10 bucks on your first deposit, plus a 100% bonus. That's where you can go to do your online betting on sports, on things like football and surfing, and even non-sports. We've got the election on Tuesday. Please make sure to go out and vote, but you can put your money down on who you think is going to win. Some of the odds are getting pretty interesting at this phase. So that's BetDSI.com. They pay out their winnings fast. They're safe. They're easy to use. A lot of the super fans have used them to great success. On that note, let's get to the recap, starting with the Sunday night game. All right, I'm here with Monty, our victorious and first place Oakland Raiders super fan. Monty, Touchdown how are you feeling right now? Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Go ahead, man. Yeah. Uh, well, shoot. Let let let's not not beat around the bush. You just beat the defending world champions, the winners of the AFC West last year. Your team is in first place right now. How are you feeling? Promised Lewis, the uh, Denver Broncos superfan, I'd be objective. And I, uh, to be completely honest, before I get a little too off the rails, this Denver defense is uh, had a lot of injuries. So I think that's the first thing that, I mean, they they shut down Derek Carr. He didn't have the greatest game, didn't need to. The rushing attack got off the, off, off the ground running. But missing uh, Brandon Marshall, missing Aqib Tlaib, I think Derek Wolf got carted out. I mean, They've got a lot of injuries on their defense, and I, you know, this is kind of a stretch run of the season. I don't know how long those guys are out, and in my opinion, I just don't think Trevor Simeon is the guy who's going to be able to kind of get them through those rough patches. I don't think he is much more than a backup quarterback. And the Raiders' offensive line, which we were reminded this week on the Slap Group, is the most expensive offensive line in the league. I think I think they showed why. I mean, they earned their money. Yeah, that running game was spectacular. Talk to me a little bit about the performance you saw from Latavius Murray today. Uh, he had the one big run, and he squirted out, but he's kind of their big, big bulldozing back. He'll get the first and goal from the one. Um, I think that little Jalen Richard is kind of the, the sneaky Raiders running back. I mean, he doesn't get that many touches. He runs back punts. Uh, but if he gets a little crease, he kind of squirts out of there and kind of breaks a long run. It's easily Latavius Murray game of the season obviously with the touchdowns but uh he had a couple of plays where i mean he's a big dude he's like six three uh over 200 pounds but he's kind of shifty too he can catch it out of the backfield i mean i i, I see the need to have kind of a change of pace and keep your guys fresh and i like the rotation but i think latavius murray is a is a workhorse type back and up to this point in the season, he hasn't often gotten 20 carries like he did tonight. And when he gets those carries, he kind of this is kind of what I expect from him. Yeah, I mean, his performance t- today, if you guys haven't seen the stat line, 20 carries for 114 yards and three touchdowns. 
that is terrific work. That is really, really nice. And those touchdowns were not, those weren't cheap touchdowns. I mean, especially that one where he was kind of jumping, extending his arm, just barely crossed the plane before he uh, got it in. Did you, did you hear me swearing? Did you hear me yelling full volume? Do that. Jump and extend like that. Then it's either it's a 50 ball. It's either going to be a fumble recovered by the defense or you might break the plane. Like, there's no need to do that. No need to do it unless it's the last play of the game and you have no other options. That was early. <laughs> it could have been a turnover. I was a little bit nervous. I was shouting pretty loudly. My wife had to come and pipe down not wake up the kids. Yeah, that's definitely the sort of play where the downside is is pretty obvious, pretty apparent. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the Raiders' defense, though. Uh, so this is a defense that came in uh, ranked, I believe, dead last in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, we talked about that in the pregame, too. They're, they're up to 28th, I want to say. <laughs> hey, just, just flying up the rankings. So what That's do you think? Last week they had all those penalty yards, so none of those counting in the stats. You know, that penalty yards don't count, so that's how they crept up a little bit. <laughs> the, the, the NFL record <laughs> penalty yards, yeah, that, that was pretty incredible. So um, uh, how is your defense doing? Is it getting better? Um, how, uh, how do they look here? That's the story that they want to tell us, right, is that everyone's kind of gelling and coming together. So the story for me is, uh, obviously, we saw Carl Joseph get burned on the long touchdown by Norwood. Um, he kind of jumped up and bit, and he just wasn't able to get back there. I still thought Trevor threw a bad ball to get back there. So the defensive backs, uh, Sean Smith was hurt tonight, so you saw a lot of TJ Carey and DJ Hayden, which is not uh, you know optimum. We don't want to see those guys covering Demarius Thomas in Week 17. So uh, hopefully the next time these two teams meet, Sean Smith will be back on the field. Uh, where Mario Edwards is kind of one of those uh, week to week. Uh, there was a, he started practicing again. We'd like to see him come back. Uh, Stacy McGee, who's their defensive tackles, actually had a really good season. Um, he should be coming back. Alden Smith has actually applied, uh, applied for reinstatement, so he should be coming back. Um, the defensive line should be getting healthier. The linebackers are always going to be the weakest part of this team because they're just not that good. And the defensive backfield still has plenty of room for improvement, but I've liked what I've seen from Carl Joseph. Reggie Nelson has made a few plays, and I think David Emerson's having a pretty solid year all the way around. I know Sean Smith has gotten burned here and there, but he's also made some big plays. So, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic that like you saw tonight, the Raiders kind of got up to an early lead. They caused the de- this defense caused four three and outs, albeit against Trevor Simeon, and you know, kind of their rushing at- attack hadn't gotten started at all. But I think there's there's reason to be a little bit optimistic as people get healthier, and this team, you know, kind of gets a little more familiar with each other. So I like what I saw tonight. Tonight was probably one of the best performances they had in the year. And if they can kind of keep things rolling, they get a bye week. Everyone should be get a little bit healthier. I don't know, man. I, I'm starting. I'm starting to feel a little bit more and more optimistic as each week goes by. I mean, if you can't be optimistic at seven and two, uh, I don't know when you can be optimistic. But let's talk a little Tonight bit. Tonight was the... the start of the season. Tonight was the start <laughs> of the season. The Raiders had a lot of uh, cream puff games, and now you're kind of getting into the heart of it. We got to play Denver twice. We got to play Kansas City again. We got to play Houston and Mexico. We got to play the the Panthers. I mean, this is this is go time, and this was a damn good start to the season. So let's talk a little bit about the Broncos. Obviously, um, you know, uh, you're not the biggest Trevor Simeon fan. I don't think he's got a ton of fans out there outside of maybe his mommy and his grandmommy, but 
We'll talk about the rest of the Denver Broncos. Obviously, uh, they had some injuries, which you talked about. But uh, what did you what did you, you see out of them? Did they look similar to the team we saw last year? Where uh, where do you kind of assess them at this point? I think Von Miller's the best defender in the league. Um, all all due respect to J.J. Watt and is it Fletcher Cox out in Philadelphia that people are always talking about to sign the big contract? Uh, Von Miller is that is as advertised. That guy's an animal. I think. Uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are phenomenal. If you give them a chance to make a play, they're going to make it. It just it comes down to kind of the quarterback play. Uh, Lewis had said in our preview that the C.J. Anderson injury is going to be a bigger impact than kind of what you're led to believe. I, I kind of thought the, uh, Booker, the rookie, was going to be able to step right into that role uh, just because I, I didn't think much of C.J. Anderson going into the year because, you know, last year they kind of had a committee going as well. It's not like he was the lead back. Um, and I, I think they miss him. I mean, uh, Booker had 10 carries tonight for 22 yards, which isn't going to be enough to, I mean, a, a, a younger quarterback like Trevor Simeon, whether you think he's good or not, is still going to need some help from the run game. And no matter how good that defense is, you can't put them on the field for 40 minutes a game, kicking it three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. And that's just not the recipe for success. I think all the same things that Denver tried to do last year and was very successful, they've, they've got all of the same tools to do that again. It's just, you know, they had some injuries. So I think this is going to come right down to the wire in the AFC West that the Broncos defense is phenomenal. Uh, this is Carr had 184 yards passing against a beat up Denver defense. So I don't know how long any of those guys are going to be out, but they're going to be right in the mix until the very end. It's a it's it's a fun defense to watch. I mean, uh, I don't know if you saw Miller's sack move where he just kind of spun right into the inside. I mean, the guys the guys phenomenal. Speaking of phenomenal football players, um, you know I've been I've been pretty critical of Khalil Mack for most of this year. But he's the one guy on either team that I think jumps off of the the stat chart. He had you know three total tackles, two solo tackles, two sacks, one tackle for loss, a pass defense, and an additional QB hit on top of that. Where has he been all year? Uh, I like that the NBC crew kind of had that stat, the total disruptions, like the, being a disruptive force, not just the sacks, but quarterback hits, quarterback pressures. Um, the one stat that I think they need to add to that would be holding penalties because Khalil Mack is doing all of those things. He's just not getting that many sacks. And that's kind of what most people gravitate towards. He's had a, a great season, man. Like he is in on the quarterback, rushing the pass, rushing the play, getting holding penalties. He's he's right in there all the time. Uh, from what I've seen at this point, I mean, he's he's not as good as Von Miller, but nobody is. So if you're going to take kind of a, a a notch or two below Von Miller, I would take that in a heartbeat. And he's been playing, he's been playing great, just not all world, you know, like I, I, I have no complaints from Khalil Mack. I think that two sacks tonight probably puts him up around the seven sack range. Um, but he's, he's good. And I think another part of him that, you know, is immeasurable is he's kind of one of the young leaders on the team. He's like right there with Bruce Irvin. He's, he's, he's getting everyone on task on focus. Uh, I've got no complaints with Khalil Mack. I think he's only going to get better. Yeah. And I also need to give him credit for the fumble recovery he had as well. He, he really was the, the most dominant uh, player on that defense in this game, which is what we've been accustomed to seeing. 
He's got Denver's number. He got him for five sacks last year, single-handedly won the game, and he had a hell of a game tonight. So whatever he's doing against this team, let's keep it up. Yeah, for sure. So um, looks like it's uh, the AFC West is starting to coalesce. It looks like it's just such an incredibly strong division, which we expected going into the year. Um, at this point, I mean, it looks like it's anybody's race, but it really seems to be heading towards a Oakland Raiders-Kansas City Chiefs showdown. So. Um, how do you think the rest of this year is going to play out? Uh, I think that it's unfortunate for the Raiders that the next time they get to play Kansas City in Kansas City will be that Thursday night game. So they're going to come off of a short week, go into Arrowhead, which is going to be difficult. Um, it's going to come down to the wire, man. Like I'm hoping Kansas City can split with Denver. They still have two games left. I'm hoping that the Raiders can steal that one in Arrowhead so that they can at least split with the Chiefs. But I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think the winner of this division is going to be a half a game ahead of whoever's in second, and they'll be a half a game ahead of the second-place team will be a half a game ahead of whoever's in third. I mean, all these defenses are great. Uh, the offenses are coming around, at least Oakland's is for sure. Uh, Kansas City, they've been kind of banged up. I think they're going to get healthier. Uh, Spencer Ware didn't even play today, and those guys rattled off another big win. Um, Alex Smith wasn't playing today. I mean, it's kind of a war of attrition and whoever's healthiest at the end of the year and playing good football is going to get into this football. But I think Lewis and I kind of agreed like there, would you be shocked if both AFC wildcard teams came out of the AFC West? I wouldn't. I think both, all three of these teams are playing phenomenal football in 2016, at least halfway through the season. Oh yeah. I think if anything, it might be more surprising if they don't all come from the AFC West. Um, you know, uh, we can spend the next five minutes talking about who's good uh, in the rest of the AFC. Uh, it's a short list, but um, I should probably let you go there. So, Monty, congratulations. Easy, easily the biggest win of the year for you guys. Um, so uh, enjoy and good luck next week. Yeah, man. Thank you. Oh, it's bye week next week. Can't lose that one. Uh, I don't know if Alden Smith is trying to come back. You might. <laughs> That's good stuff. Thanks, Monty. Yep. That's right. It is me, your Kansas City Chiefs superfan, Nick, and I am here to break down all of the early games on Sunday. And we start off with the game that I think everyone was holding their breath in terms of who is going to win, who is going to lose this one. It is the Dallas Cowboys and their 35-10 to win over the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland falls to 0-9. Uh, we may very well see another winless team this year. Uh, but in the meantime, the Dallas Cowboys advanced to 7-1, and look like one of the league's very best. And that is that's a true surprise and, and one that I think, um, you know, our, our Cowboys superfan Kevin here is, is very happy about. So, Kevin, um, th- this was a, a somewhat close game in the first half. Um how are you feeling about this particular win? Is was this the business trip, or uh, how how are you feeling? I mean, you're you're very right. The, the Browns actually started this game off pretty hot. Like the first two plays, they're already within in the Cowboys' red zone. And if you guys remember correctly, I sort of did predict uh, that the Browns would stay close this game. So that got me a little worried right off the bat because Crowell had like a 40-yard reception on the second play of the game, but fortunately we held them to a field goal and. The Cowboys and Dak proceeded to just drive right down the field and score a touchdown on the, their first drive and never look back. Um, after that first touchdown to Jason Witten, um, this was never, never a game again. So 
as you, I guess you could call it a business trip and a very successful one because we were able to, to rest Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott for like the last six, seven minutes of the fourth quarter. So that's always good, especially in week nine of the NFL when everyone's a little banged up. Um, so it was really just a dominant win. Um, as I was telling you earlier, it's always good to have a stress-free Sunday and whoever's playing the Browns next week, uh, I'm very, very, very happy for them because they're not going to need that many drinks in them. <laughs> well, and and basically everybody on on the the Cowboys side stepped up. I'm interested. To, I mean, Jason Witten. Yeah, Jason Witten had his first hundred yard game. If you can believe it, in in his last forty yard games. I think that yeah. is that's three and a half years. I think that is that he he's coming back from the dead. Um, that's probably has more with to do that the. Browns focusing most of their attention on Des Bryant. I mean, if you look at Bryant, he was targeted three or four times, only ended up with one catch. So Witten, I guess, was the beneficiary of all the attention to Des, and he definitely uh, definitely went off of this game. Um, so it's good to see that even if Des is not having a huge game, that the Cowboys can still move the ball. Granted, it was against the Cleveland Browns. Um, and you look for any sort of hope for the Cleveland Browns, and Cody Kessler did look pretty good in the first half. Corey Coleman coming back from injury, he, he made a few impressive plays. So there is there is a little hope there. And Terrell Pryor had a, had a pretty good game again, scored another touchdown. So they have some key pieces on, on the offensive side of the ball, but their defensive side of the ball is just just, it's just hard to watch. Um, their, their first round pick last year, Danny Shelton, granted I was in a bar where the Giants game was, was playing, and I'm in New York, so the Giants have the audio. I don't think I would have heard heard his name called many times today even if the Cowboys audio was on so that's got to be disappointing um Jamie Collins was he sort of played well on his first game um with the Browns better than you could expect I think he had six tackles but the story of this game is the Browns defense just can't be on the same field with the Cowboys offense we did whatever we wanted whenever we wanted um I don't know the stats but I'm pretty we probably averaged over seven seven yards of play. Um, maybe not because uh, the last couple of minutes we were just pounding it was Alfred Morris three, four yards at that time. But this was not a game at all. Easy win for the Cowboys. And that's good because the Cowboys at seven and one now, I would have been a little worried if they only maybe won by six, seven points. When you play a team as bad as the Browns and you're thought to be an NFC contender to go to the Super Bowl, you better dismantle them on eight team and we did that so so it was definitely a good business trip, and and on to the Steelers next week. Well, and just to, to toss it back to the Browns just a little bit, I mean, you guys, the, the Cowboys, you have really succeeded based on, I mean, not entirely based on, but um, the strength of your line has really seemed to be the core of that offense and, and has really propelled that offense forward. Cleveland, um, you know, they've been supposedly in the trade market with a number of players, and Joe Thomas is a name that comes up a lot with them, their tackle. I, I've been arguing with some of the other super fans about whether or not you know they should have a fire sale and, and include him in it. I say that it takes several years to build an offensive line, and if you have an all-pro tackle, that's you know even if he's not you know he may be gone five years from now, you're still gonna that's if you're trying to build anything. Years. Right. Exactly. So that, no, I I tend to agree with thoughts. you. Um, because it's not like an offensive line is like a skill position player. They can play into their mid-30s at a very high level. Look at uh, Jason Peters, for example. So 
I mean, if the Browns do get their quarterback of the future, you're not going to want to have a first or second year guy protecting him. Um, having having Thomas there would be something that they need. So I wouldn't be in a hurry to get rid of him. But Joe Hayden, I would I would have definitely tried. I mean, I know the Browns did try to get rid of him, but I would I would have definitely I would definitely do that as well. But um, I agree with you. I don't think Joe, Joe Thomas should go anywhere. Good stuff. Well, thanks a lot, and congratulations on the win. Uh, I have a feeling you guys are going to keep on rattling some of those off. I do, and I just have one one fun fact for everyone before we leave. So after week nine, the Cowboys still have yet to allow a 100-yard receiver or rusher. So just coming into the season, everyone thought the Cowboys' defense was going to be um, pretty easy to move the ball against, and sometimes we are, but um, that's, that's a pretty impressive feat, if you ask me, considering the receivers we have gone against this year. We've played A.J. Green, Odell Beckham. Um, so I like I like what we're seeing on the defensive side of the ball. Um, as long as our offensive line and Ezekiel keep keep going, I think, I think the Cowboys are going to be heard from come late January. Good stuff. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Take care. We now go to an NFC North division game, uh, and it was the Detroit Lions who won 22-16 over the Minnesota Vikings at home. I am here with our Minnesota Vikings superfan, Davey. And Davey, uh, you know, this this team just had such a great streak to, to open things up, uh, despite all of the uncertainties, um, and, and, and things, just seep on, things just keep on starting to pile up, whether it's the injuries, um and 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 so just you know how are you feeling and and what happened in this game that uh, that allowed the Minnesota Vikings now to slip to five and three? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say I'm I'm a little bit surprised that we fell off this hard. But you know, with all the injuries that we've had, it's hard to to look back on it and say that you know it, that we're going to be able to put this thing back together. We've lost you know too many offensive linemen, I think. To, even give Bradford a fair, fair shot back there. But, you know, after just kind of sitting back and thinking about the game, I think we can still really blame ourselves here. Cordell Patterson dropped a, you know, sure touchdown in the end zone at the end there. And, you know, we ultimately ended up getting one of those, but we still didn't, you know, convert multiple red zone uh, chances. We missed a couple field goals, had one block, missed an extra point. I mean, if you get even a few of those to go through as just field goals, we would have easily won that game. So, as much as we want to, you know, uh, sit there and make fun of how bad our offense has been and, you know, blame it on our line, ultimately it's just execution by a few, you know, key moments in the game and we'd be back to winning with the, the defense that can, you know, still hold people. They ultimately held them to, what was it, 13 or uh, something points by, you know, up until the final moments of the game. So they're still putting up uh, pressure on the opposing offense and keeping them to low scores. But when your offense turns the ball over so quickly or, you know, doesn't do anything with it, eventually that defense is going to cave and, and they have the last couple of weeks in the final moments, which is a bit disappointing. And so do you see things uh, shaping up? It, it, you know, are there signs that those, uh, those injuries can be fixed with the depth or are, are you feeling like this is going to start going into an ugly stretch for this team? Well, I certainly think it could turn super ugly, and I think there's no there's no debating that, you know, we've seen plenty from this team in the last three weeks to show that it could go downhill real fast if it, you know, if we haven't already gone down the hill real fast. But I, you know, we're getting Boone back, and he should help in the offensive line a little bit. Um, I think this week they actually did play a little bit better, and we'll see how Pat Shermer does calling the offense. We had a couple drives this week with some spark. 
So I'm, you know, tentatively hopeful that they can turn, you know, at least a little bit of a corner. If they would just make the plays that are easy in front of them, you know, fourth and one when you're on the five-yard line and convert with three or four freaking chances, you'd think that we'd be able to be, you know, back to being solid. So there's chances that they've had, and they've gotten themselves in positions to win games still. They just keep blowing it. So, you know, I think that they could potentially turn this around. It's just going to take a lot of effort from, from those guys up front. And from the Lions' perspective, I mean, they seem to have snuck their way back into this division uh, under the leadership of the Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, if you're a Lions fan, what do you take away from this game? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you should be really happy with how the game went. You know, they the Lions the Lions are really not not a bad team this year. They're looking pretty good, and Matthew Stafford is constantly one of those quarterbacks that I feel like nobody ever gives credit for being one of the you know better quarterbacks in this league. And he showed it again today. You know, he he is always making plays. He's always looking around to to find the open guy. Our defense is still, you know, it hasn't been playing as well as it did the first five games, but they, you know, they're still flying all over the field. And and he made his pay on a couple drives. You know, he he found found people when he needed to. And I think they should be, you know, excited about where they're at right now. Good stuff. Well, thanks a lot, Davey. Yep, absolutely. Talk to you soon. Cheers. And it's now time to talk about, again, the most important game of the weekend. That is the game in which the Kansas City Chiefs play. And in this case, the Chiefs won 19-14 over the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in Kansas City. I am here with Ryan, our Jacksonville Jaguars super fan. And, uh, and this was a game where I think most people had called it in the Chiefs' favor, despite the fact they went into it without their starting quarterback, Alex Smith, without their starting running back, Spencer Ware, and the the running back that I think everybody was hoping and, and, and looking for to come back strong in the middle of this season, which is Jamal Charles. He went back on IR before this game. So they went in without all those guys. Then Jeremy Macklin, their number one wide receiver, went down with a groin early in this game. Uh, their star tight end, Travis Kelsey, got himself ejected just for fun, it seems. And so the Jaguars were really able to stay in this game, and and the the Chiefs were not able to do a whole lot on offense. Basically, were able to just take advantage of Jaguars' mistakes. Um, And nonetheless, the Jaguars kept on moving just enough that they were they were very much in this game to the end. Um, But so Ryan, uh, how do you feel about this game? I mean, clearly, if you guys had made a few few fewer mistakes, you clearly would have won this game. Granted, it was sort of against the Kansas City B team. Well, Nick, quite frankly, I have forgotten how to feel. Uh, <laughs> the feeling feeling is kind of gone. And, but I can still try to analyze this game as I would if, uh, if I had the passion of, uh, like, the first four games of the season. This was, before this game started, this is the first time all season, even though we played the Packers, even though we played the Raiders or, or whoever, where I thought we had just about a 0% chance of winning before the game started. Uh, And so, you know, I wasn't as emotionally invested this time. But let's look at the game now because it happened and it was close and uh, I would have been much more into it if there were a different part of the season. Uh, I'm interested in your take as as soon as I I finish with everything here on the replay review, uh, which I thought was – completely awful because it should have been the Jaguars touchdown yet it was ruled a fumble then the Jaguars go and score another touchdown so theoretically that should have been the 
uh, winning score or go-ahead score, but instead it, it made it 19-14. to 14. Um, And then at the end of the game, it was very similar to a game I saw in person, which was week one against the Green Bay Packers. The Jaguars quickly do a play to where they get, I think, second and one, and that may be exactly what happened against the Packers as well. Um, but then the next two plays, they stumble, and then on the fourth down play, they go nowhere. Um, so that, that happened against the Packers, and it happened again against the Chiefs here to where the, the offense is driving and looking great. You get, a, I think, again, a second one, might have been a third and one. Uh, and then instead of getting the first down, you just kind of go backwards and do nothing. Um, and uh, so that, that left the, the game, the defense's hands, which played well because, Again, you're playing a team without, uh, you know, almost any starting offensive players, which for most teams, hey, that, that could end up in a win. But for the Jaguars, you know, it's going to end up in another loss and we lose against Nick Foles and Chuck West and whoever else was even still alive uh, for the Chiefs. But, yeah, um, you know, disappointing, but not really surprising given the way this season has gone. <laughs> Well, you you mentioned the, uh, the the questionable fumble call on the goal line. Um, so just to recap, so it was Chris Ivory was punching it in, in the process of punching it in on the ground, um, and it was difficult to see in terms of the um, you know, the camera angles that were available. The ball came out, bounced into the end zone, um, and the Chiefs jumped on it. So it was either going to be a Jaguars touchdown or a Chiefs touchback um, with them taking the ball over at the twenty. Um, and had the Chiefs not had like a, a very similar such play that was ruled in the exact same way, I would totally be on your side of this thing. Like because, I mean, I don't know. It, it's just such a weird thing. But the Chiefs had something very similar happen just a few weeks ago, where basically Spencer Ware was like extending the ball. It hit the pylon. As he hit the pylon, it sort of left his hand, and they called that a fumble for a touchback. Um, so. Based on the video evidence that was there, I mean, I'm not surprised they ruled it the way they are. I mean, and probably based on that rule, whether it's dumb or not, like was was consistent with that, or maybe it's just karma for you know the Chiefs losing one of those earlier in the season. But yeah, I mean, it, it was oh, definitely good. A weird we call. get we get some Chiefs karma from weeks ago. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Thanks, football gods. Well, clearly the football gods are Hindu, and yeah, it's not like like Jacksonville. <laughs> Has it had any bad luck that, that that needs to come back to them? Clearly. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let me uh, let me just say something uh, weird here, uh, or just on the Chiefs side. Uh, I don't know how Chiefs fans feel, but from the outside, and I'm sure it's hard to say goodbye to somebody. It's it's always it's always hard to say goodbye, but uh, I think it, you got to move on in your mind from Jamal Charles already. And, and I personally love Spencer Fair. I think he's a great player. So uh, I'm sure it's hard, but you'll be fine. Uh, we love you, Jamal Charles. You're great. You got the NFL record for uh, average yards per carry, but Spencer Ware's awesome, and, and you just got to gotta go in the mindset with, with him now. Yeah, I'm basically there with you. I mean, um, it may not be – the recap show may not be like the best venue for me to like totally uh, eulogize all of my thoughts for Jamal Charles, and it, yeah, it does hurt. But I mean, as as soon as he went on IR for the second time, uh, you know, for whatever repair work they're doing now on his knee, I mean, to me, that's like, yeah, he's probably done, and that's extremely sad. 
But um, I don't know. They, they they claim at least that they're that whatever they're doing was sort of exploratory, and that they you know they're still planning on having them at least be potentially available for the playoffs. We'll see. The fact is that that, that Spencer Ware is the future, um, and hopefully he's going to be coming back strong from this uh, this concussion. Him and Alex Smith, because I mean, if anything, I'm actually kind of glad that this game happened because there's been a lot of Alex Smith haters, and um, you know, and, and really calling on Nick Foles. Granted, Nick Foles looked great against the Colts. He did not look great in this game, and I think no. um, I, I think Chiefs fans. I'm glad Chiefs fans got to see a full serving of Nick Foles, um, and that hopefully gives them a little bit of appreciation for our own starting quarterback. And and. If this weren't at home, and quite frankly, uh, you know, you can tell, you can tell in the things I've said in my voice. But if you weren't playing the Jaguars, uh, this this was probably a Chiefs loss. And so, both things get into play in Arrowhead, which is tough. Which is which is one of the bigger reasons why I didn't think the Jags had any chance. And then, of course, they did at the end of the game. But it it was a pretty bad output from the entire offense. Um, the best run of the game was probably the one at the end by West to uh, ice the game because the Jags still had a chance to get the ball back. Uh, Foles did not look great. And then, yeah, you, you had a bunch of players out as well. But, uh, I mean, getting Alex Smith back will be helpful. But, again, this, a lot of factors uh, added up to what was probably going to be a Chiefs loss, and then it just didn't turn out that way because you got, you got a bad team on the other side. So Chiefs uh, really – Staying in on on the division there. Yep, I totally agree. We were just lucky to be at home and against the Jaguars this particular week, because otherwise we did not deserve to win. Basically, all of our points came off of uh, Jaguars uh, turnovers deep in their own right. territory. Um, we didn't really do much that was that impressive. But uh, we have to move on from my uh, from my mediocre Chiefs uh, for this week. I, I do appreciate you calling in, man. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking soon. All right. Sounds good, Nick. We now move to the Miami Dolphins' stunning win over the New York Jets in Miami. This was a crazy one, especially at the end. And I am here with my entirely sober Miami superfan, Andy. And so, Andy, explain what happened in this thing. Explain what happened. That is a... That is a, they, a loaded statement or a loaded request, rather. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start off by saying that, you know, Ryan Tannehill going into this game was uh, three for five against the Jets in his career with a sub-70 passer rating. Not to say that he played particularly well this game, but he did play a lot better. And, you know, if you want to point to one reason the Dolphins may be turning the corner, it's back-to-back wins at home against, you know, the rival Bills and Jets. Yeah, as far as this game went, I'm not sure the Dolphins win this game if the Jets quarterback is anyone other than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think Geno Smith probably would have given us the loss, uh, to be honest. Not sure how much of you saw the, uh, in this game, but Fitzpatrick had two interceptions, both of which were just supremely, supremely ugly. One of them went to a 330-pound defensive tackle that stepped into a passing lane. The other one was you know, probably even worse, just off his back foot in the back of the end zone. And, yeah, I mean, a lot to get encouraged about. Jay Ajayi ended up with over 100 yards against his vaunted Jets rushing defense. Dolphins showed a lot of character, a lot of fight. The 
fourth quarter of this game alone had four different lead changes. Just absolutely crazy, crazy, crazy game where neither team was backing down. There was punch, then counterpunch, punch, then counterpunch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at this Dolphins schedule going forward, our next four games are against teams that have a 500 or worse record. So, you know, things are definitely looking up uh, here in South Florida, but ultimately the NFL is a week-to-week league, and we'll see. Uh, What about you? Did you see any of this game at all? I mean, just basically the highlights. But, you know, I remember the last time we spoke, uh, you were pretty much on board for just watching this team crash, burn, and, and get ready for a high pick. It uh, sounds like you're now uh, amping up for uh, you know for a potential uh, wild card spot there. Yeah, and uh, the last time we spoke, I remember it was after the Titans game. We lost that game to go one and four. It's amazing what a three-game winning streak will do, isn't it? Um, we're sitting here at 500 now, and uh, we didn't give up 226 rushing yards like we did against the Titans. We didn't let an inexperienced quarterback look really good like we did against the Titans. Um, not sure what the difference actually is. I mean, you know, you could point to the fact that Cameron Wake is now playing 50 snaps a game instead of 20. He, by the way, had two and a half sacks and two forced fumbles this game. He he was a beast uh, as usual. You know, the Dolphins' defensive line has really come alive in ways that you would have predicted it to on paper back in August. But as we know, games aren't played on paper. They're finally playing up to it. I think that's honestly the biggest difference other than, obviously, you know, number 23, Jay Ajayi. He looks like Ricky Williams reincarnated. You know, today, uh, and the Jets stopped the run better than, frankly, pretty much anyone else in the NFL. Today, Ajayi, even on the carries where he'd get only two yards, he'd be stopped at the line of scrimmage and fall forward two yards. I mean, he's just a supremely, supremely violent runner in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, I'm not promising the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. In my heart of hearts, I don't think they will, but... You know, this team is a lot better than I thought they'd be back in August. Just top to bottom, just a lot better. And if you're a New York Jets fan, sort of what is your takeaway from this game? Is it Bryce Petty time? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. Um, I will say this. The Jets have one more game before the bye, so I think it'd be logical to start Fitzpatrick one more time and then start Petty. But, I mean, the Jets are 3-6. and The season's over. When you have six losses in early November, the season's over. When you have six losses in early November and you still haven't played the Patriots yet, that season's definitely over. So, you know, chalk that up to at least eight losses. The Jets, the Jets might be a 5-11 and 11 team. They might be really bad. Um, but, you know, I, I look up and down the Jets roster, a lot of unexpected talent. Number 11 and number 89, I think their names are – uh, who's number 11? I think number 11 is Jalen. No, 89 is Jalen Marshall. Number 11 is Robbie Anderson. Those are two really good-looking young receivers. Um, they both made a lot of plays today. Quincy Ndua, number 81, has really burst onto the scene. You only know who he is if you're a Jets fan or if you play fantasy football. There are pieces there. You know, the Jets are – it's not like the cupboard is completely bare. problem with them is that Brandon Marshall, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Darrell Revis make a combined total of pretty much $40 million, and they're all over 30 years old, and none of them are nearly as good as they used to be or should be. So Jets have kind of an aging roster. They need to find out what they want to do with their defensive line. They're probably going to trade Sheldon Richardson, if I were to guess, for maybe a third-round pick this year. 
Um, they definitely need to retool. Um, let's see what Petty has for the rest of the season. Good stuff. Well, thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. Yeah, no problem. Bye-bye. Cheers. We now go to our Jet super fan, Andrew. Uh, and so, Andrew, on, on, on the Jet side of this loss, I mean, what are you feeling? I mean, you're now 3-5. and five. We knew, Or actually, 3-6. and six. We knew you were going to have a, a tough start to the season. Um, but wh- where is this team going? So, this game was somewhat of a turning point in that when the Jets were 1-5, and five, like, I was rooting for them to lose because I didn't think there was going to be any chance that they're going to make the playoffs. And they, they won the next two games. And then you look, after they come into this week, they had this Miami game and they had the Rams. So if they won those two games, it'd be 5-5 five and five heading into a bye. And in this watered-down NFL, maybe you could sneak into the playoffs. But after this loss today, which really was like a complete case of which team wants to give it up more between these two teams, because neither of these teams really want to win this game. But with the Jets losing, I think... It's, it's Bryce Petty time. And maybe not next week against the Rams. Uh, maybe you play Fitzpatrick one last week going into the, and then the week after is the bye, and then you put Petty in then. But the rest of the season is just trying to find out what they have in these young quarterbacks, whether it be Bryce Petty or maybe even Christian Hackenberg. I, would, I don't want to see Hackenberg play the field uh, this year, but it's just about seeing what Bryce Petty has and evaluating that position and what you have to do in the offseason. Because it is clear that Fitzpatrick isn't the guy. I, in the offseason, I didn't think he was the guy. And I think what's bared out this year has shown that he's not the guy. He threw two more picks today. One was a miserable interception in the, in, in the end zone. Um, he, he got strip-sacked twice, got lucky to recover both. Um, and... So his nice plays, he had a couple nice throws, but once again, a lot of his yardage came on jump ball type plays. And the, the one bright spot for the Jets continues to be their young wide receiving core, whether it be Robbie Anderson, who had a touchdown called back, but had a couple of nice plays. And then uh, Jalen Marshall had a touchdown, and he and he played well. And Anunwa is still there, and Sharon Peake didn't play today, but he, he also had some upside. Um Jets didn't get much pressure on Tannehill, and Tannehill didn't do much with it. Dolphins didn't really impress me. J.H.I. played well. He had put up over 100 yards on one of the best rush defenses in football, so I think it's fair to say that he's legit and that he's one of the best running backs in the league at this point. Uh, But nothing really else from Miami really impressed me. Matt Forte ran all over them. Fitzpatrick made some plays. I don't think Miami is anything special, uh, but the Jets are even less special, so there you go. Well, you mentioned that that Jets uh, run defense. There's been a lot of talk that the Jets might trade away some of their pieces that they have in that front seven. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Right, so it's funny you bring that up because this is also also worth mentioning. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson were both benched for the first quarter. Um, Todd Bowles said it was a coaching decision, wouldn't elaborate in classic Todd Bowles fashion. Um, just speculating it wouldn't shock me if it had something to do with the trade rumors going around this week about Sheldon Richardson Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson are very close and when Wilkerson was going through his contract standoff Sheldon was the one always set, uh, standing up for for Mo and saying he, he, this guy needs to be paid so it wouldn't shock me if Richardson went off at some point this week and Wilkerson backed him up so both those guys are benched but in terms of your question they're not even the best player on that on that D line. Leonard Williams has emerged as the best defensive lineman on this team. 
And he's only in his second year, which means you're not going to have to pay him for another couple of years. But what that also means is that you're going to have to trade Sheldon Richardson or if, if a team's willing to take on Wilkerson and his contract, the fact that Wilkerson has not played well this year isn't going to help matters. Um, but all three of those guys play the best at the five technique, and there are three five techniques, and you're going to play two of them. Um, so if the Jets to get value for either one of those guys, that would be ideal, especially because the rest of the roster is pretty barren. So I would, I would be in favor of trading Richardson. It's just a matter of what you're going to get back. They probably weren't offered much at the deadline. They probably were only offered like a third-round pick, and at that point, I wouldn't do it. I would need at least a second and a mid-round pick to do it. Um, and apparently Dallas or whoever else that was that was in contention wasn't willing to offer it. But um, Which is why I just think we should extend the trade deadline to Week 10. But I don't think they extended it enough to Week 8. I think Week 10 should be the deadline, but that's another discussion that we could have at a different time. All right, good stuff. Well, well, thanks a lot, Andrew, and I have a feeling we'll be talking again soon in this recap about a couple of other games that are coming up here. Most definitely. Thanks, Nick. We now go to our two NFC East superfans covering the Giants and the Eagles to talk about this game in which the Giants prevailed 28-23 to at home. And so I'm going to toss it to you, Sam, first here um, because you guys have now gotten yourselves back into the running of this division, uh, definitely. Um, or at least, you know, for a, a wild card in the uh, in the NFC, it would seem, uh, with a really big win. Um, how do you feel about this game, and how did you guys pull it off? Um, I think we pulled it off by just having more talent than the Eagles did. Um, although Beckham had a big game, he had two touchdown catches. His first touchdown catch was him just showing off his speed, taking a slant all the way across the middle. Um, on defense, I think we did an okay job. We picked off once, twice to start the game. I think as the game went on, they gave up a few cheap long plays that resulted in Eagles um, touchdown drives. So all in all, I'm happy. This offense still somehow exists without a real threat um, running the ball. But at least Eli was able to find his receivers. Um, Sterling Shepard had another big game. So, you know, it's all good in New York. All right, well, it's all good in New York. How good is it uh, in Philadelphia? Granted, our Eagles superfan uh, is in Atlanta. But nonetheless, James, uh, tell us how you're feeling about this one. Um, constantly reminding myself this is a rookie. And, you know, first two possessions, interceptions on bad throws, just hor- horribly, horribly bad throws, bad reads, Um he needs to learn that when he's being flushed outside the pocket to either throw the ball away or, you know, mainly just throw the ball away. Sometimes it's not worth it to even take the sack or run out of bounds five yards behind the line of scrimmage. But um, those forces were horrible. They put us behind early. We played catch-up for the rest of the game. And when the defense stepped up late, we still couldn't execute. Um Special teams contributed in a big way by, you know, flipping the field from time to time. Um, Like Sam said, they have little to no running game, so that helped out somewhat as well, putting a lot of, you know, things on the passing game. But our secondary, the safeties, basically cutting off corners and letting uh, Lewis Jr. get open for that second touchdown after the turnover was horrendous. Um, the angle taken by uh, McLeod on Beckham's first touchdown was disgusting because um, after he blew that tackle, there was no one back to even give chase. 
So all in all, uh, after those two turnovers, the game was pretty much over that point. We played catch up for far too much. Uh, bad play calling on two fourth on the first two fourth downs. He should have taken the six points. Of course, that's good to say in hindsight. But then the third fourth down that he thought about going for it, he kicks the field goal and he gets blocked by JPP. So it's kind of a helter skelter. Like, what do you do now? You know. Um, and late in the game, the the last play, the fourth and ten to to Matthews over the wrong shoulder. So. Uh, expected but you know undaunted uh, I still believe in this team going forward like I said I just have to keep reminding myself we've got first year head coach who's also the first year play caller and a uh, rookie quarterback so this this team still has holes in it and yes the Giants do have more talent across the board but this is a game that you know towards the end we were given chances and just didn't take advantage well and just sticking with the Eagles uh for a second you know I- my my opinion on this team has been that they they were not as good as they seemed when they were really good, and they're not as bad probably as they seem when they have stumbled. But you know, as you said, first year coach, and also you know, this is a team that put a fair amount of money in the tight end position. There's not a whole lot there with wide receivers, and uh, and the cupboard seems fairly thin when it comes to running backs. So I mean. How do you see this team turning this thing around uh, with, with what you guys have? Um, Zach Ertz did have, I believe, eight catches, 94, 97 yards today. So they actually did use him. There was um, some, you know, there were more attempts to go downfield. Uh, but the wide receivers as a whole continue to be a waste of talent. Uh, Jordan Matthews being the only one who consistently stepped up today. Nelson Aguilar continues to drop passes. Um, errant throws around Doriel Green Beckham, which I don't understand how that happens. The guy is 6'5". I, I don't know how you miss that frame in any way, shape, or form. He's got a decisive height advantage in almost every DB of the Giants that was covering him today. And the two or three times the ball was thrown in his direction, it was too high. Um the uh, rookie wide receiver who we pulled up from the practice squad after cutting Josh Huff caught two passes for about 70 yards, the deep one to set up the first touchdown. Um, his name escapes me right now. But at running back, Matthews is – they say he's injured. I just don't believe he's the perfect fit for this offense right now. And because Barner and Smallwood are young, they're not going to trust them full-time – in the backfield because there's still blocking schemes and blitz pickups that they may uh, still be deficient on, which is why Sproles is now the designated starter. I believe that they need to get that playing time, um, Smallwood and Barner, because when Smallwood was in there, he was reeling off the handful of carries he had for about six or seven yards a pop. Barner is a good receiver out of the backfield, but you know, to keep relying on Sproles as our primary runner is not going to – it's not the long-term solution. It just can't be. And I believe in the offseason those are two areas that are going to be addressed. So what I don't like is designating Brent Selleck as the blocking tight end when he's definitely a better route runner and pass catcher than Trey Burton. And every time I see Trey Burton out there, it kind of drives me insane because it's obvious he's getting the ball no matter what the play call is. And on the Giants' side, I mean, we, we all know that the Giants have had a number of play callers on the offensive side of the ball, 
and it's been sort of hit or miss on the defensive side. But man, I mean, Landon Collins, Olivier Vernon, Andrew Adams, JPP, you guys have a lot of guys that are stepping up now. Do you feel, Sam, that this team is sort of rounding itself out now, or are you still seeing a bit of inconsistencies here and there? Well, I don't think there's inconsistencies. I think in uh, three-fourths of what they need to do, they're really consistent. I think their defense is really good. I think their passing game is really good. I think their pass rush and run stopping is really good. I just can't run the ball. When you can't run the ball, you can score a lot of points, but the other team is going to have a lot of possessions. And it's a lot to ask on your defense if you can't run down the clock at all if, if you're throwing all game. And I think that's a lot of the problem is that the defense plays a lot. So if you go downfield on them, you're going to get a couple of those a game. And then it comes down to these fourth quarter stops where we've been better than previous years, but it's still not something you want to do. You want a running game that can really put away, put away a team and give your defense some rest. I don't remember a run longer than five yards today, so um, it's bad. I mean, I, I said it on the preview that it wasn't going to be good, and it wasn't. It was it was atrocious, and as good as Eli was, as good as the receivers were, you, you need a running game in today's NFL. Good stuff. Well, yet another battle in that NFC East. I think this is going to be another fun division to watch. Uh, any division game that comes up on your uh, – on your schedule, wherever you are, it's going to be one to tune into, um, and uh, and I hope you guys can start catching up to those Cowboys to make this thing interesting. Yeah, I mean we already did our job. It's uh, too bad the Eagles didn't. <laughs> Thanks a Boom. lot. Remember, you guys have another game against them with the way they're playing right now. I'd be worried because, like you said, the Giants can't run the ball, and uh, if you know, you run into the giant. I mean, if you were to play the Cowboys right now, I wouldn't give you guys any chance whatsoever with the way they're playing, uh, especially, you know, like I said, you got a week one because it was week one and you were able to throw a lot of things at Dak Prescott. He's, he's a totally different quarterback from week one after eight games right now. And the way that line is just mauling opposing defensive lines and Ezekiel Elliott is just pounding the rock at about five yards to carry this season is just atrocious couple with the fact that Dez is now working his way back into the offense and isn't even a big part of it. I, I would, in the rematch, I don't think you guys can actually pull that out with no running game. Yeah, well, we have a few weeks to figure out if there's any way McIndoo can um, manufacture a running game. It'll be interesting to see. Good stuff. Well, thanks a lot, guys. All right, All right thank you. We now go to the Baltimore Ravens, 21-14 to win over their hated division rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm here with our Ravens superfan, Don, who is walking away from the stadium as we speak. And Don, uh, how did you guys pull this one off? Well, Nick, you know, as you said, just got back here. Uh, you, you can hear the ambulances in the background, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> A little bit. We, we, yeah, yeah, we were up 21 nothing. Um, so we had, you know, block punt touchdown. You know, we had a um, absolutely, you know, awesome play to Mike Wallace. You know, 95-yard receiving touchdown on slant pattern. Um, just a good game overall. Again, up 21 nothing, and then um, you know, Pittsburgh had two awesome drives. You know, Roethlisberger looked like Roethlisberger in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, you know, two touchdown drives. Um, and then the then the um, the onside kick at the very end of the game was absolutely hilarious. So yeah, Chris <laughs> Boswell, the kicker, 
Um, kicked, you know, on the onside kick, they have Ravens call a timeout. Then they, you know, they, they shifted around and everything else. And Chris Boswell kicked the ball into his own leg, uh, and that was a penalty. You could actually see the referees you know, huddling up for the penalty, just laughing in the huddle. Um, we lucked out. I mean, my thought was, you know, the Ravens should run, 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 run. They ran, you know, a decent amount, but didn't have a whole lot of results from it. I mean, the, the big plays really are, you know, the Mike Wallace, 95-yard touchdown, and then the um, the punt block, and then Chris Moore uh, takes it in for a touchdown. I mean, some big, big plays, turnovers on both sides, but obviously ecstatic for a win. Somehow we're in first place for the AFC North, you know, because they're the tiebreaker on the Steelers, but at 4-4, four and four, but a long road to go, my friend. Yeah, speaking of that, I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, I'm talking about the Steelers a bit, but also just sort of the division. I mean, it's now very much a neck-and-neck race, it seems, at the top of that division. And if you're a Steelers fan, I mean, do you come away from this deflated? What went wrong for them in the first half of this? I mean, Roethlisberger obviously started the game, but Roethlisberger was missing throws, whether it be short throws, deep throws, just not looking like himself. I mean, he could move around okay. I mean, he was... He was avoiding the pass rush, especially in the first half. Um, but he, he wasn't himself. I mean, for the second touchdown they had, he had a probably seven or eight yard scramble uh, to get in the end zone. In the fourth quarter, he looked like himself. But the, for, the, for the first three, again, just missing throws. Um, I mean, they still have Roethlisberger. They still have Antonio Brown. They still have Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Darius Hayward Bay, who's been a very good role player for him, went down with a foot ankle injury. Uh, it, as big as a Ravens fan as I am, you don't like to see anybody get hurt. So we'll see what his status is. But, I mean, Eli Rogers has some good catches. Obviously, Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown. I mean, I think Steelers will still be a good team going forward. And and just in terms of, uh, you know, yourself overall, I mean, you, you had some young guys step up. Like, tell me about, like, Zachary Orr and some of these other dudes that seem to be – Stepping up, do you feel like this is a team that's transitioning from sort of the older talent that had gotten itself in the running in the past to some of these newer guys, or in between? How like how is this team shaping up right now? I mean, absolutely. I mean, literally, they they have to. I mean, Doomerville's been out for most of the season with a foot injury. Uh, our rookie Matt Judon, number ninety-one, had a sack this game. Um, Zach Orr in the middle, you know, besides C.J. Mosley's making some impact plays. Uh, Perriman had several catches. Um, you know, Steve Smith had his catches, but literally they have to. I mean, I think their average age is about a little over 27, but, I mean, you have a lot of older guys. You have Suggs, you have Yonda, you have Doomerville, you have Webb. Um, a lot of older guys, Steve Smith, obviously. Um, they have to transition. If not, they're done. But, I mean, you know, Zach Orr, who came out of nowhere, really, you know, as a starting inside linebacker, Seth Mosley has been good so far. Um, Matt Trudon has had his moments as far as the pass rushing. Had a lot of work in the preseason. I mean, um, really one of my favorites so far has really been Tavon Young, um, you know, a rookie corner, who's really had to step up because of, you know, the injuries, in fact, a play of Sharice Wright. Um, he's had a couple turnovers this year. He's been a good player so far, I mean. We're going to have a lot of turnover in the offseason, no matter what happens, whether we win or whether we lose. But um, I'm really excited for the future. Good stuff. And I'm excited to continue to watch the AFC North. 
I have a feeling uh, you guys are going to be duking it out at the top of that division. Uh, all three of you. I don't think the Browns are going to get back into that one. It, but it's going to be a, a fun fight between Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cincinnati once again. Then, and thanks a lot, man. Not a problem, Nick. Thank you. Cheers. We now move on to the Carolina Panthers and their 13-10 to win over the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm joined not with either of our Carolina or our Los Angeles uh, superfans, but actually with our Jet superfan, uh, Andrew, here, because he knows everything. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, see, I'm, I'm setting you up well. So, Andrew, <laughs> tell me about this horrible no-offense game uh, in which each quarterback got a single touchdown, there were no running touchdowns, and some people watched it. Well, <laughs> I tell you, I watched it. I had all four 4 o'clock games on, and it was kind of a nice change of pace to have one of the 4 o'clock games not have any scoring, considering what the other three uh, put teams, other six teams put on the scoreboard in the other three games. But this game was predictably low scoring, and I, I think it might be time to see Jared Goff play quarterback. I don't think he's ready, but I don't think they have much of a choice after what Case Keenum uh, did today. Listen, I, his stats aren't especially damning, but he's 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 a uh, as Chris Sims likes to say he's he's a check down Charlie, and he doesn't throw the ball down the field. And he had one good drive the whole the whole game, and where Lance Kendrick shot the touchdown in the end zone, um, and he had the garbage time drive ended up being 13-10 the final, but though the game wasn't as close as that. The the Panthers controlled the whole game. Cam Newton as much as he had to do he didn't he didn't uh give himself up in terms of putting himself out there for a big hit uh he did take a couple nice shots though one by mark Barron especially but um and aaron donald had two sacks it's just the same old story with the rams they they get it to fourth and one on the carolina's 37 and give fisher credit for at least going for it but it can you guess what the play call was on fourth and one for uh, for for the Rams, I would guess in up the middle draw. Up the middle run by Todd Gurley, run right into his guard and gets pushed back for four yards. Apparently, the Rams don't know yet that they're not a good running team. Yes, Gurley is your best offensive player, but your offensive line is the weak link of your offense, which is saying something considering who your quarterback is and who your wideouts are. And yet they they continue to to act as if they're some type of ground and pound type of team, and they're not. Um, but yeah, I, I feel bad for Todd Gurley. I, between him, Andrew Luck, and Aaron Rodgers, I think those three guys are the guys who are most trapped in the NFL. If they're like a most trapped trio. I'd say the, those three guys top the list. Um, but in terms of positives, I, I like the way Jonathan Stewart ran. His stats don't really tell the story. He broke a lot of tackles. The, the Panthers' offensive line got wrecked. Uh, the Rams have five sacks. And, and Carolina didn't run the ball for, uh, well in terms of yardage, but I thought Stewart ran hard. Um, Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Wilson played decent. When when you play the Rams, you just have to not beat yourself. And the Panthers didn't beat themselves today. And I have a feeling the Jets are going to beat themselves next week against the Rams when Fitzpatrick's a quarterback. I just have to bring a little bit of, uh, of Jets uh, stuff into this because I don't know why else I'm on this show right now. So, so there, <laughs> well, that's fair there, enough. There you go. The Chiefs have the Panthers coming up, and so I'm curious about your thoughts on them uh, more broadly as well, because they're still at three and five, even with this win. 
And, you know, I, I think a lot of people are scratching their heads at how they fell so hard from the Super Bowl to to this point. Um, I mean, granted, okay, so yeah, you lose a couple of players, but you also got some back. How are they this bad? Um, I think it was a matter of, like, them overvaluing their personnel, or uh, I think that's the word, overvaluing, over, overrating their personnel. They, they're a, last year, their offensive line played well, but they didn't play well in games against good pass rushes. And then this year, they're not even playing well against decent pass rushes. So their offense is, a, is, a, is an offense that's based on a, a five- to seven-step drops and throwing the ball down the field, which means that your offensive line needs to hold up. And their offensive line hasn't been able to hold up. But the past couple of weeks, they've definitely toned down their, their throwing the ball down the field, which, which kind of sucks because, like, there's – of course, it's best for them to do that, but the rest of the NFL is heading in that direction too, and it's just a bunch of short passes, and it's kind of boring. But it's what works nowadays because offensive line play in general is just so atrocious. Um, and then, of course, we got, we got the defense. Uh, the, there's a lot of stuff being talked about, how they didn't bring Josh Norman back, and that's the biggest reason why their, their defense isn't what it was last year. I would say that Norman is definitely a factor, and he is one of the not one of the top five corners in football this year alone. He's played very well. I mean, he had a rough game against AJ Green, but everybody does. Um, but it's their pass rush that's not getting home. Uh, Charles Johnson is just a guy at this point. He's decent. He's not going to wow you. Coney Ealy, who had a hell of a Super Bowl, hasn't stepped up this year. Kwan Short doesn't look like the same player uh, from last year. Starlo Botulale had a great game last week, but maybe these guys are starting to come on a little bit more. And if I were the Chiefs, I mean, I didn't watch that Chiefs-Jaguars game, thanks, Fred. Uh, that was, like, one of the one games I didn't watch. Um, <laughs> but, you didn't miss much. Yeah. I Anytime I, I could avoid watching Blake Bortles play quarterback, it's, it's, it's a good thing. But they, I think the Chiefs are running into the Panthers at the wrong time. Um, if you would have played them in week four, I would have taken Kansas City. But like right now, I, I do think Carolina is getting is getting the swagger back. Um, they, they're changing they're changing with the way they run their offense and their defense. I mean, they still have one of the best linebacking cores in football, and it, it might not be enough to overcome the other deficiencies. But it's been enough the past couple of weeks, and it's not. I don't think the Chiefs are are some are, are a team that's gonna just like completely. I don't think they're the Patriots. I don't think they're the Cowboys. And besides those two teams, I don't think there's a team in football that, that you don't have a shot against. You know, like your Chiefs aren't going to be like, oh my God, Nick Foles or Alex Smith is playing quarterback. We have no shot. So I would probably lean towards Carolina. Is that game in Kansas City or in Carolina? It's in Carolina, I think, yeah. Yeah, so Carolina's going to be favored. So I'm not even saying anything that's too out of the out of the realm of possibility. But yeah, I'd, I'd be worried if I were you about next week. All right, fair enough. We're sort of getting into the previews, which is stepping on some toes of the uh, Thursday crew. But thanks a lot. All right, we, we, we covered this game. I have a feeling I'm going to be hearing from you again in another game recap. We now move on to the New Orleans Saints and their 41-23 to win over the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. I'm here with our Saints superfan who has to be happy with what he saw out of his quarterback and his running back on the road here. Uh, granted, this is also something that we just sort of see uh, with the Saints. I mean, they they can just put up points on you, uh, 
and especially against bad teams. But, uh, you know, we'd only see them put up th- this many points on the road. How are you feeling here about this game here, Chris? Relieved. You know, this is a, this was the week the, the Saints chose correctly to have a, a horrible defensive game. They've been relatively solid the past couple of weeks. Um, they, just, they, they fell apart today. You know, they gave up 398 passing yards to Kaepernick. That should never happen. Um, but with that said, you know, that's that's the win number four out of the last five games. Ingram came back with a vengeance, put up 158 with uh, with a touchdown. And Breeze, Breeze is Breeze. You know, it's it's on the road. It's the West Coast where he's supposedly not good, but you know, I'll, I'll take 323 and three touchdowns every day. Well, and, I, and although the Saints did uh, let up quite a few passing yards, they also generated quite a few rushing yards um, on the ground themselves. 42 carries for 248 yards, which, which I mean, the team averaged 5.9 per carry and two touchdowns. Um, are you encouraged by this performance? Do you think this is something that can carry over into a more balanced attack for the Saints? Or do you think this is just a, a sign of the, the San Francisco just having nothing in the run D? Well, I mean, it's a little from column A and a little from column B. You know, we, unfortunately, we don't get to play the 49ers every week. Um, in fact, I think next week is Denver. So that's not going to continue. But the, what's impressive to me is the, the 42 carries. You know, there is an importance on creating balance with this offense. Breeze is more efficient when we have a, a steady running game. So, look, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, you know, to be sitting here at 4-4. Four and four, I know it sounds sounds crazy, but it's a hell of a lot better feeling than 0-3. We got Rankins back today. We got Bro back today. So limited, but we're moving in the right direction. And for the 49ers, I mean, as you mentioned, Colin Kaepernick went 24 of 39 for 398 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. He also had 23 yards on the ground. Um, so, therefore, he personally went you know well over 400 yards. Is there anything that the 49ers are building on right now, or do you feel like this is a team that is just waiting for somebody to come in and blow it up? I, I think, I mean, I want to say blow it up. I think you saw both sides of Colin Kaepernick today, and and that this is what's got to be infuriating for 49ers fans. Is he looked really good in that first half, a very strong first half. And then in the third quarter, it started to Peter. And if I'm not mistaken, he went 0 for 8 to finish the game. And those were those were open receivers that he were that he was missing. He had the, the fumble. That was a bad snap, but he had a fumble within the red zone that the the Saints recovered. You know, it's it's going to be terrible for 49ers fans because they they go from one extreme to another. Their team is either really good and in the Super Bowl, or this. You know, one and seven is where they're sitting right now. So, not a lot of bright spots, unfortunately. They just, you know, got bit by the Chip Kelly bug. This is what happens. Hopefully, they'll find a new coach soon and a GM and, and, and start to rebuild this. Well, and after you know a really dismal start to the season, the, the Saints are now back up at four and four. Um, you know. Definitely, I mean, not real close, but within striking distance of the division. I mean, do you think they, they're they on the right path to make some noise and, uh, and possibly get themselves into the playoffs now? I'm still not going to say playoffs. 
because we're still in a situation to where we need help from another team. Atlanta needs to start losing. But, you know, I, I feel a lot more confident than I did a few weeks ago. We still get to play Tampa twice and Carolina again. And then we have a – I think we finished the season at Atlanta. So the opportunities will be there for us to, to take this division. We just have to take hold of it. Great. Good stuff. Well, thanks a lot, Chris, uh, and, uh, and and good luck in your coming weeks. I will be talking to you soon, I have a feeling. Always a pleasure, Nick. Cheers. We now pitch it over to our San Francisco super fan, Charlie. And so, Charlie, you know, I toss this over to uh, to, to Chris, our uh, Saints super fan, in terms of, you know, what, 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 what a 49ers fan should take from this game. But, I, you know, now that we have you here, what do you take from this? This was a, a game where Kaepernick put up a lot of yards. Um, but, I mean, what, what do you feel like your, your team is building on right now? Um, we're building on the lack of defense, the lack of the ability to stop the run. But um, in all seriousness, um, the offense is there. Um, Kaepernick is able to, you know, do decent when he's given time. Um, the running game is still very anemic. But, uh, yeah, it was good to see several long passing plays. But really, you know, there's really not much to take from it because the Saints' defense is garbage, almost worse than the 49ers' defense. Um, it was a great game to watch if you like high-scoring games. Personally, I'd rather watch a 6-6 tie than watch, <laughs> you know, what, 58 points scored in a game. Well, and, and, and so for you, I mean, are you excited about what you're seeing in Kaepernick to the point where you feel like you have the, the QB situation set? I mean, this has been something that's been up in the air since uh, <laughs> midseason. I mean, what what are you feeling at, at, at your major positions here? Well, listen, if it was if it was a better QB draft, I'd feel a lot happier. It's not. The QB draft, especially with Chad Kelly needing an ACL, um, it's looking like we probably better look at Miles Garrett and uh, get a pass rusher, you know, since we lost Alden Smith. But really, no, the, the quarterback situation is not solved. The only thing that's solved is we know that Kaepernick and Blake Gabbert are not the answer. Sorry for the background noise. Levi Stadium is built, like, right in front of an airport. So we had planes going over the stadium all day. Good job, Jed. Uh, <laughs> Jed York, the 49ers owner who built the stadium right in front of him reeking airport oh but in all seriousness the quarterback situation is not figured out um unfortunately i think we're going to be bad for uh of course this year and one more year so we'll probably get a quarterback in the 2018 draft but as long as we get a pass rusher maybe it'll make our defense a little bit better in 2017 and uh hopefully we can win more than three games because i think that's all we're going to get this this year cool well thanks a lot man for for, for joining us Yep, of course. Thanks, Nick. We now go to one of the more surprising games of this weekend, which was the Indianapolis Colts in their 31-27 win over the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. And Dan here uh, is joining us. And, and Dan, you know, we were talking last week after, you know, after the Chiefs game, and I, I know you were pretty down on this team, but, man, like, despite the fact that you had a bit of an uneven performance by Andrew Luck, you won what seemed to be a very tough game in a very tough place. How are you feeling about your team? Yeah, it was a rather surprising win for sure, especially, you know, the Colts. 
had uh, Mr. Lecter two picks early, you kind of felt bad about him. But somehow they, they held a double-digit lead even after those two picks. So it felt like a pretty good win for him, really. Um, Frank Gore didn't do too much. Uh, running the game or running the ball, but it, it seemed like the team kind of came together there for a while, and they they might have lost a little bit of it at the end. But I, I think a big help to it too was the Packers were pretty one dimensional in this game. Um, early they had Ty Montgomery running the ball, but I, I feel like once the Packers got down, they kind of panicked and tried to run it or tried to throw it, and it really allowed the Colts to manufacture a pass rush and get after Aaron Rodgers and make him make some off balance throws, which for whatever reason, he hasn't been very good at this year. And that allowed the Colts to maintain their early lead throughout the game. But from beginning to end, I, I don't know if the Colts played a whole game, um, but they got up early thanks to that kickoff return for a touchdown, which was the first they've had in, I think, four years. So that that early kickoff return definitely set the tone and gave the Colts a chance. And for the first time all year, they got up early and kept the lead. And, you know, I was sitting there with 10 minutes left, and I go, you know, we saw this in the Texans game, and, this is the perfect team for them to blow this lead against, being Aaron Rodgers' passing attack, seeing Randall Cobb come back in. and I wasn't feeling too good about it, but at the end of the day, they held on for the for the victory. And, you know, a win is a win, as they say. Well, and, and, and to you, Brian, uh, as Dan said, I mean, he felt like you guys got away from the run to your own detriment. You only had 19 carries in this game, uh, including six by Aaron Rodgers. So that's really only 13 by your uh, by your running backs and and, and other guys. Um, do you feel like? I mean, I know you've you've been unhappy with some of McCarthy's play calling in the past. Is that who you blame for for this, or do you think other things are going on here? Well, I don't know that the uh, it certainly didn't help. I will say that it we certainly intended to be more balanced at the start of the year, and we have definitely had to adjust given the rash of injuries that we've experienced at the running back position so I think to a certain extent yeah uh, it was hard to um, kind of make 10 12 14 play drives down the field uh, and really score that way Uh, whereas if you have a running game that's operating well then you're a little bit able to sustain the offense that way Uh, the part that kind of stuck out to me this game because we've seen the last couple of weeks we haven't really had much of a running game either the part that really stuck out to me though was we didn't try to do the quick passing attack that we'd seen the last two weeks that was so successful instead we saw rogers throw i don't know eight or ten uh bombs down the field and not really connect on any of them so that was the part that really kind of irritated me after a while we did see at the end of the game um kind of get back to some of those quick timing and rhythm pass plays and we were able to score i don't know i think it was two touchdowns in four and a half minutes so uh, part of that i'm sure is the colts playing uh, more lax defense, but I don't know. It just was a stunning departure from something that had worked so well for us the last three weeks to to watch us try to beat the Colts deep and not really try to adjust because it's not like they're even open most of the time. There was plenty of times where we were throwing it deep into double coverage or even well-covered single coverage, so it was kind of frustrating for me to watch. And for you, Dan, I mean, what are you encouraged by in this game? As, as you mentioned, I mean, it wasn't a great Andrew Luck game. It wasn't a, a great Frank Gore game. Um, but uh, in, in the AFC South, it, it's put you guys, you know, still very much in this uh, in this division race. What do you feel like you guys are building on uh, out of this win? 
Well, like you said, Frank Gore didn't do a whole lot, but what what I was surprised that we had success with really was the the pass rush that we got on Aaron Rodgers even early before they turned to the one dimensional passing game. It seemed like just somehow they were able to get to Aaron Rodgers early enough that he started second guessing himself and you know, at the end of the game maybe he caught on to it, but they got some good hits on Aaron Rodgers early. Um, special teams play for once didn't cost them the game. Um, a lot of a lot of you guys that have been listening for a while have heard me talk about how Pat McAfee will bomb the ball down inside the five and somebody will ridiculously touch the ball inside the end zone and they had no business doing so. We didn't see that today. Um, penalties were down. So it seems like there's a chance that maybe they're learning as they go this year. The secondary is pretty young. and the, the big penalty today came from a defensive lineman that hit Aaron Rodgers after, uh, after their second step. And it negated an interception which was huge at the time but you know they're starting to play maybe they're starting to play smarter I wouldn't say that they're they're, that they're there yet Uh, but it's nice that they're getting healthy at the right time like this time of year it's great to get healthy especially in a division like the AFC South where eight wins can win it for you this was a surprising win one that I didn't even have for us at the beginning of the year when I was foolish enough to think we could get to 10 so I think getting to eight might be a possibility the way that they won this game. And then seeing the way that the Vikings are struggling, maybe maybe eight's realistic now. Well, and Dan here is talking about the AFC South being sort of a down division this year. Uh, and a bit of a surprise, the NFC North is looking softer and softer uh, as these last couple of weeks have gone on. And so, Brian, I mean... Despite the loss, you guys are still very much in it. I mean, how confident are you that the the Packers are going to be able to climb up to the top of this with the uh, the Lions, uh, you know, still making some noise and you know the the Vikings, despite their loss, still being you know up ahead of you guys. Yeah, that is kind of the saving grace for the Packers this week is that even though we've lost and we have like three more road games in a row coming up. Um, the Vikings, the wheels have seemed to fall off of that offense, and they can't really protect Bradford. Um, they can't seem to move the ball very well. Uh, that I think between those two teams, I like the long-term prospects for the prop Packers better than I do for the Vikings. Um, but I don't think we should be sleeping on the Lions either. Um, they've kind of shown uh, resiliency the last couple of weeks. Um, they pulled even, or I think they're actually ahead of us now, aren't they? Um, so we'll need to kind of climb up the ladder a little bit, but I'm, you know, I'm confident the Packers will be able to get this figured out uh, despite our best efforts this week. Great. Well, good stuff. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Brian. We now move to the San Diego Chargers and their 43-35 to win over the Titans in San Diego. Philip Rivers continues to be, you know, just an engine of, uh, of, of, you know, of just great football. But honestly, he's now been, uh, been helped out by the emergence of Melvin Gordon, who it's been a long time coming, but you give Melvin Gordon 32 carries against a, a so-so team, and, and he's going to go off. Uh, in this game, he, he got himself 196 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but Tennessee, you know, still Marcus Mariota has his up and down. It seems like he's showing uh, a lot of potential, but still a lot of uh, a lot of tendencies for mistakes. Uh, I'm here with Andrew, our, our Jets super fan, once again. 
uh, to talk about this game. Andrew, I know you're watching this game as well. What did you see in it? Um, so you mentioned the two biggest things. First of all, we'll start with Gordon. You mentioned 196 rushing yards. He also had, I believe it was 65 receiving yards and also a touchdown. So he was all over the place today. He was probably the best player on any field this week. And it's, it's as if him and Todd Gurley switched bodies. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, Gordon breaks tackles with ease, runs with acceleration out of those tackles. And it's really a joy to watch. Um, and rest of the offense, Rivers did what he had to do, didn't make mistakes, uh, owns the middle of the field with, with Gates, who had a vintage performance today with Hunter Henry out. Um, Tyrell Williams had a touchdown. Uh, and they passed protected well against Tennessee. San Diego played well. Um, and then, of course, they had a, a defensive touchdown by Brandon Flowers and another defensive touchdown by Dwight Lowry. Both both were mistakes by Mariota, who, is, who we're going to get into in a minute. Um, so they, they really played an all-around pretty good game. Um, as for the Titans, I really – they're the team I want to see win that division. So it kind of annoys me when – Mariota just gives the game away. He, he had four total touchdowns, which he had three passing touchdowns, and he had one rushing touchdown. But he also threw two picks, one which was returned for a touchdown, and he fumbled, which was returned for a touchdown. Coming into the season, the plan was to run this ground-and-pound offense where Mariota wouldn't have to do too much and ride the running game. And DeMarco Murray was invisible today. He, you look at the stat sheet, he had 14 carries, 51 yards, and a touchdown. But the majority of that, including the touchdown, came in garbage time on the final drive. And Derrick Henry didn't get a single carry as he – I believe he was active, but I don't think – I think he was hurt with a calf injury, which is kind of weird because they played last Thursday. Um, but they – they uh, so something needs to change there. I don't know if it's not having Mariota throw the ball downfield as much. But that offensive line, the Tennessee offensive line, is one of the top uh, lines in football. I'd probably put it in the top three along with Dallas and Oakland. Uh, they, the Chargers didn't have a sack today, and Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa have been wrecking people lately. But Mariota had all day to throw, and he took advantage sometimes and didn't take advantage other times. And that, that was basically the story of the game. He, he played well at, at some points and didn't play well at others. Well, I mean, so this sounds like kind of a silly question because it's obviously the Titans, but um, I mean, just in in general about their their fight, how do you feel about either of these teams making a play for the division? Uh, obviously, the the Chargers, is based on the competition, have a have a tougher road, but in, in terms of their, you know, then then just being competitive and in the conversation at this this standpoint, uh, how do you feel about these two teams in their divisions? Um, well, you mentioned the Chargers. I, I can't see them coming back, especially because one of these teams are going to win tonight, tonight being Sunday night. Um, so that will put them four games back. I just think that's too big a mountain to, to climb. Um, but in terms of Tennessee, I think they're the best team in the division. They're the most well-rounded team in the division. Their defense is solid, decent defense, um, even though it didn't really show up today. And then they have one of the best running games in football. And Mariota should be good, but we'll see what happens. Um, But, Nick, just one second, I need to say good night to my Uber driver, Cesari. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm about to get dropped off. Uh, But 
yeah, he, it, it was it was a good game. It was one of the more entertaining games. Have a good night, my friend. Have a good one. Um, but it, it it bothers me to see Tennessee not come out with the win because I don't think San even though San Diego is a fun team, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna win the division. And Tennessee actually has a legitimate shot at winning, so it kind of bumps me out. But all right, good stuff. Well, uh, I'm glad you're you're now finally home, and we've gotten in another plug for Uber as we generally do uh, <laughs> with you on on the Sunday nights. Um, so enjoy the rest of your evening, sir, and thanks for all, all of your help on these recaps. No worries, Nick. Have a good one. Thank you for all your help. Yeah. Cheers, man. Cheers. All right, that's going to do it for the next Fan Up podcast. want to thank all the other super fans. Thank you to Nick for hosting. Thank you for our sponsor, BetDSI. Promo code FANUP10. Another really nice week of football, guys. I'm very excited about Monday Night Football when my Seahawks are going to be playing. Hopefully they continue their Monday Night Football dominance. Quick, This is your reminder that the Seahawks have the best Monday Night Football record, so hopefully they continue that against the Bills. And with that, we'll turn it over to my division rival, Jeff Fisher. There you have it. Well, I think we learned today that, um, you know, this game is four quarters long. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.